in my diary, what I decided to do was ask myself, if I was the one having the uh, the meeting and it was with my staff, what would I want them to expect from that session? Welcome to Series 2 of the One Year No Beer Podcast. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, then hit that button so you don't miss another episode. Just before we get started with today's interview, I just want to quickly mention one thing that Jen and I do every day. We were so lucky to come across this brand listening to podcasts just like this. And we are so proud to be sponsored by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is literally one scoop of this all-round nutritional insurance which is made up of no less than 75 vitamins, minerals and whole food source ingredients including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfoods scientifically researched and blended together to support and improve energy recovery, immunity and digestion. It's so easy. You just get down in the morning, plop open that glass, pour in your athletic greens and pow! You are doing what you need in one scoop. If you want to join us, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash O-Y-N-B and join the health experts, athletes and health conscious go-getters around the world who are making a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash O-Y-N-B. Now, don't forget the forward slash O-Y-N-B because this will entitle you to the special deal Athletic Greens have given out to our listeners. A year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs will take with you on the go. Once again, athleticgreens.com. Don't forget, O-Y-N-B. Now let's get started with the podcast. in 2019, a young young man by the name of Ruri Fairburn spoke to me and uh, and he said, Stuart, I think you need to check out this coaching thing um, and have a look um, and see what's what, yes. Before you go down that road, um, uh, which I can't wait to get into, (laughs) um, I want to hear some stories about um, what you were actually doing because Mm -hmm. You've missed, I mean, there's eight years of your life there, and this is fascinating stuff. Like, I loved talking to you and hearing about, you know, I mean, you'd be posting pictures of snakes that you've had to to, to pick up or tame or, or going on snake training. You've delivered, in the morning, you've delivered a rhino baby, um, um, you know, up to your arm. You've been, you've been, you know, herding some leopards and, and, and stroking it. Well, you know, you get my point. So I want to hear about some of the stories of what the things that you were up to in um, over this eight years, because this is the stuff of dreams, Um yeah, that you were that you were doing. Yeah. Not all that, right? I know you were also elbow deep in toilet problems and plumbing yeah, issues yeah. and all the rest, yeah. which go on with running a lodge. But yeah, you were doing it in paradise. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely, one hundred percent. And um, uh, uh, just just for clarity, there was no taming of, of snakes or bursting of rhinos, unfortunately. But um, but uh, <laughs> oh, oh well. So before, that's not the story I was telling everyone. <laughs> <laughs> when I was living in Cape Town, before we left to go, first of all, to KwaZulu Natal to the first reserve. 
I realized the part of it that was scaring me the most was snakes, interestingly enough, because being brought up on Mull, we've got worms. Um, there are adders, but you yeah. don't see them. Adders, so, um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so you never really experienced them. So uh, it was it was it was a worry, but it was the stage where it was actually like really getting into my mind. And I was hearing all these stories of people lying in their beds and snakes coming and joining them. And I'm like having sleepless nights and petrified. So Stacy, my wonderful, fantastic wife, um, took she when we lived in Cape Town, she was a big fan of um, what's it called? Well, anyway, you know, when you those those things where you get uh, vouchers to buy and she was like a member of one of them. So. This would often, our, our date nights were often dictated by whatever we could get, which is all sorts of things. We went like to shooting ranges and all sorts of fun things. But um, this one was a snake handling course, which Stacey and I did with my incredible mother-in-law, Joan. Um, and it was so much fun. And we were there for not very, and it was with this um, uh, Johan Murray, who's like a very, uh, he's very high in the snake world. Like all the books on how to handle snakes, all that stuff are all written by him. Um, and uh, it was great. It was really good fun. Within an hour of being in the room, going to the lectures, I was be picking up a boomslang. Um, a boomslang uh, in Afrikaans is it's a tree snake. Um, boom is a tree, slang is a snake. And um, tree, this, the boomslang is a very, very, the venom is very dangerous. Um, it's it's a it's a um, neurotoxic venom and it's it's a very very dangerous anyway um, but they're extremely shy as with most snakes the point of that anyway so face your fears so I did and I was put on a team with Joan and we had to handle snakes together and it was great and I'm so glad I did because what it taught me was as soon as I could understand what it was I was dealing with the fear went away completely um, and mm, I don't yes snakes, I respect them um, yeah. and I think that also fits into if we talk about and for want of not being down this road too much but habits our perceptions mm -hmm. of what these things are are different to the reality. And frequently we put this fear response in, which is totally understandable because it's an evolutionary fear. However, we're attributing it to the wrong thing and therefore we don't do things. So then I did the snake handling course and that made a big difference and sorted out my emotional and psychological panic attacks. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. the work that we did... Which was, we all have for snakes. <laughs> yeah, the work that we did was, um, was all sorts. So um, it's basically, you're based inside a reserve. It's Big Five Reserve. So you're running, conducting research on the Big Five. So um, effectively, a, a reserve has um, an ecological team. So the ecology is basically looking after everything. So it's from the flora, fauna, animals, plant life, um, and making sure that everything is sort of uh, has the biodiversity and the balance that it needs to have. So our remit was to go in and contribute towards making sure that, that was the case, but more so was to actually conduct research on these animals, which the reserves would then use to ecologically manage what was going on but equally then it was also sent to data partners who were running bigger studies um on various species in order to contribute to the long-term and sustainable conservation of species be it flora or fauna um so there was lots of that so um i spent a lot of my time meeting with these partners um, learning about the studies they're doing how it contributes how it fits in um what level of work we can do because again when volunteers come they come with enthusiasm but not necessarily knowledge or skill so when they first do come, because my team was so big, um, it was really, it is really important to the organization. And I talk about this organization with great passion. And I, I am a massive advocate for this organization because I've got to know the industry very well. And there's a lot of people who misuse it um, to yeah, make money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this organization is altruistic and truly is making the impact that it says it is. And I know it because I've done it and I've run it and I helped establish it. Um, and uh it, so when people come there's a lot of training on you know how to get how to get to the right stage and we do that in such a way but there's always team members around to help so it's not like you take a volunteer and dump them off and say cool we'll see you in a week um you're with the team all the time and uh, there's that support so we can make sure that the because when it comes to scientific data collection two of the most important things is consistency and quality 
Um, and if you don't have those in place, the data is useless and you're wasting your time. So it's really important. We always had um, as scientists on team, they have to have a minimum of a master's, if not a, a PhD, um, a doctorate, um, to make sure that we have that level. So we could go in and do this incredible work. Um, but what that actually means in an experience perspective is we always had bush camps, so literally tents on the ground, but canvas tents, so two-man tents. There's no fences. You're open to Big Five Reserve. So um, at night, we used to have hyenas coming through the camp. We'd ha you know wake up and open the zip of your, your tent, and there's elephants all around you. Um, and uh, it was just absolutely fantastic, incredible experience. Um, I mean, as most people know, in, in my huddles that come from in, within the AFM space, you'll see my updates regularly where I'm out for a walk with Harlow, my wonderful golden retriever, and we just walk past giraffes. I mean, this morning I saw a herd of um, 25 giraffe um, and two of the young males were just so um, giraffe do what you call necking. That's how they fight. So they use their necks to swing their heads around and they hit each other with their heads like when big males have a fight. Um, but the young males practice. And when they practice, it's more like a dance. Like they gently sort of knock each other, but they're just practicing. So this morning, I was watching two males do that, which is quite a rare sighting to see. So that was really beautiful this morning. Wow. Um, yeah. But that's where I live. So, and then we did photography, uh, conservation photography work as well. So that photography would then be used to create awareness around um, conservation. Um, and we have a, they have, I say we, I'm, it's only from this month that I'm no longer with them. So it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, I still say we, there's an online database of amazing, incredible images, which are free for NPOs and NGOs to use to um, promote conservation initiatives, which is incredible. Um, right. And the photography right. is spectacular. Um, and then that also fits into mm. lots of other things from report writing to, uh, we actually, one of our volunteers was a data analyst and she managed to create an algorithm whereby using photography from a truck you could work out the size and the age of a lion from photographs that you would take from the truck which um you can't necessarily tell especially at night when you're just looking at it so it was an and that is a massive contribution to conservation going forward so people can now use that algorithm wow. to do that going forward and this was what we were doing it's kind of like trying to pioneer new ways to to protect species in the world we live in today because encroachment is huge. It's amazing because that 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 th those words you just said said there could have been lifted off a nineteen ninety BBC interview with Dad. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> and 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 the, literally, that's what you know. He was pioneering ways um, to to improve conservation. He was working with operators. I mean, Dad went out to you know um, Iceland to try and convince the Japanese whaling fleet, who'd been brought over to Iceland, to see what they were doing in Iceland, and they were turning their whaling boats from whaling boats into um, uh, into tourist businesses and earning more money. Um, and so, right. and Dad was trying to do that. And you know, so I'm not surprised this was a calling for you, and it was really aligned with you because it was sort of like fulfilling or continuing on this amazing work that our dad had done that we'd been around all our life you know um he was all there always there trying to make um make the planet a better place mm. and equally i think in my own discovery it was that when i when i you know took a break from booze all of that started to shift and i got aligned and i was like oh yeah i remember why i was put on this planet which is not to make money as an oil broker in london that's not why i was mm, here for yeah, I, yeah. I was here to to improve the world and i'd got so lost um in oil broking and the money and and the city and all of that stuff and forgotten that I'd, I'd made an absolute deal that i was going to have an impact on the world that mm. i wanted to change the world i wanted to make it better mm. Um, because that's what our, our, our dad had done. And here you are on the same thing. But 
ultimately the same thing. It also crosses along with something else. And I don't know about you, but at times in my life, I've definitely felt like these two have been crossed or messed up or go in parallel, or, you know, or, or go against each other. And that's my own happiness and fulfillment, mm -hmm. mm. right? And, and my own happiness and fulfillment needs to be a priority somewhere. And yet I still want to have this impact in the world. And, and at times in my life, those two have been against each other. So the thing that I'm doing to improve the world has actually caused me the most misery. And that's very true for one year, no beer. There have been times when this has been recently, this has been one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. So it sounds like this, although it was so aligned with who you were and everything else, that actually there was elements of it, probably the business side, some people, I don't know if you want to talk about that or not, which was actually working against that. And you talked, you said earlier that the last yeah. five years have been the hardest. Absolutely. Do you want to touch no, absolutely, on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for bringing it around to that. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, well, it was, I think it was informed by a number of things. I mean, again, in hindsight, I can sort of say quite uh, succinctly what it was uh, upon reflection, um, which I just sort of just say for, for sort of prosperity, which is just not living in congruence with my values and my needs and, and my beliefs. Uh, but at the time, you know, you know, that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't that. And if I'd gone back to myself at that time and I'd said that to myself, I'd probably be like, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just I'm unhappy. So, you know, I think it's a, a level of sort of being open um, to the journey. And there was, as part of that, you were just talking about kind of finding your own happiness. And as you know, uh, I'm not going down a road here, but just quickly going to add this in before I go. As you know, my entire coaching practice, my entire coaching approach has all been around happiness. And often I get asked about what that means. And it kind of touches on exactly what you were just saying, because to me, happiness is not a destination. Happiness is a vehicle. You need to find your happiness now in order to get to where you want to go. And happiness is made up of many things. Happiness is not sitting with someone and going, oh, that's great. In my definition, that's joy. Um, and we feel moments of joy. Joy is fleeting. To me, happiness is the foundation. Happiness is you understanding your values, your beliefs, living in congruence with them, and knowing that just because you think you understand what the definition of your happiness is, to be super curious and also inquire into that, because a lot of what we do is program responses to what we think we should or feel that will appease others. And it, we've created such a belief around it that we're so convinced by it that we just run these programs within ourselves, which we trust because they're, they're us. But again, our brain doesn't differentiate between positive and negative. So the programs that you're running are not necessarily serving you, which is why it's important that we look at the stories we tell ourselves. So by kind of looking at that, and I think that's something that that's why One Year No Beer to me is the most exceptional coaching area that I've experienced. And I've worked with a few companies and I've worked in different areas on different programs is that that's taken into consideration. It's, it is about alcohol, but it's about you and your relationship with you, understanding you, how you operate. And it's almost not going back, but it's coming to you in 2022, you who you are now, understanding what it, what makes you happy, you know, what, however to get there and through that journey. And then from there, you can build up on the journey because otherwise you're standing on very shaky foundations. So that was a large part of the process Absolutely. for me. And it was difficult to do that because I didn't have resources. I didn't have that exact conversation that I'm sharing with you right now. You know, I didn't I didn't have someone saying, let's have a look at this, how we can support, you know, and maybe I could have got a coach. I didn't know about that world at the time. Um, and I just wasn't living in congruence with it. So it was really hard. Every day was an uphill battle. I got, I started getting fed up with staff nights, like sitting with the staff. You know, we lived in the middle of nowhere, the middle of nowhere. We were 30 kilometers outside of Hoodspray at the lodge. I had no friends. It was just Stacy and I. The only friends we had were our staff. 
And Stacy was quite happy with that. She just, you know, she had great interactions. For me, it didn't work. It's like, these people aren't nourishing me. They're not challenging me. I have to constantly be dad. I have to constantly be the leader. I can't ever just let my hair down and just have some fun and go and play a game of darts without thinking, you know, I need to say something deep and leadery and philosophical here to make you inspire. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, yes, or ask about them, or I, I need to be there for them in this moment, because now, yeah, exactly, just exhausting. Yeah. So, and that was just one element. I also, so one one particular director, we didn't see eye to eye, um, and that was really hard, because I had to regularly meet with him, and if you're listening, you know, all respect to you, but um, it, you, you're, you're aware of it. Um, and um, <laughs> every single week, I've used this a lot in huddles, actually, as a comparison, talking about the words that we use, the power of words, is that every single week I had to meet with him and it used to give me the biggest anxiety attacks i mean i i never had anxiety attacks i didn't even realize i had anxiety it took me getting to the level of having attacks it took me to the level of going to hospital because the anxiety attacks were scaring me so much that i went in and had ekgs done i had tests done i had all these tests on my heart on wow. everything because i was just i was so scared of it and anyway the doctors told me i was abnormally healthy was exactly what they told me um and that it's um <laughs> you're um, abnormally healthy that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> a good thing but um but um yeah. uh, it, was, it was all our anxiety so anyway that that whole that that time was not nice and going back to the word thing and the power of our words is in my diary what i decided to do was ask myself if I was the one having the uh, the meeting and it was with my staff, what would I want them to expect from that that session? And I would imagine what they would want to expect is inspiration for them to feel inspired by the words that are being shared. And um, I then changed in my diary uh, to saying inspiration sessions instead of saying catch up with so so and so. Um, and it was amazing. I've only two three or three weeks later, I. Um, uh, the, the anxiety had completely gone. It was absolutely fantastic. So the power of our words. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I, it, it really is. And I think, you know, I, there's something that um, that I was taught by one of the AFM coaches, which I think is a really, really, really important point and something to really reminisce on for all of you listening um, or watching or whatever you're doing, is um, common knowledge is not necessarily common practice. And I think really think about that because there's so many things that we go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But are you actually applying it in your life? Because I wasn't. And uh, I was ignoring it. And what it meant was lots and lots of pain. So instead of, you know, when we talk about uh, not listening to your body, we were chatting about earlier on, and these, these little niggles, what starts to happen first is the niggles get worse and worse. The pain gets a bit worse. What will ultimately lead on to that if you carry on doing is your immune system is going to start dropping. And this is all your body trying to say, woo, something's not right. Um, and that will lead on to lots of different things that are going on to the stage where it can get really quite... Um, uh, really quite bad um, and unhealthy. So just listen when you're, you know, when your your body is talking to you. Try and do so because I got very low. Thus, the anxiety attacks got so bad to the stage I went to the hospital because I was uh, I wasn't listening, um, and it took me a very long time. And that then leads us up to where we were before about in 2019, having that call with you where you said to me, "I think you should look into this coaching thing, um, and I think you could be good at it, um, and bring all those skills and stuff." And uh, at the time, I was like interesting um and then you set me up with or you you uh, it offered me the opportunity of coming on to the month mastermind with one year no beer oh that's right yes with chris when chris was running mastermind that's right. that's right so um first of all i did mastermind with chris shout out to chris you're a dude um and um that was obviously mind-blowing um i still have the notes i have the notes here i won't turn away from the microphone i have the notes there i use them this is 
where are we? 2022. So this is years later, um, and it was pivotal. And that's, again, another thing about when you know beers. All the materials are something that are useful for the rest of your life. This is not about once off, you're going to be okay for this weekend, good on you. This is change your life for the rest of your life. So, yeah. Um, so, And I know that I'm your brother, and everyone might think that you've paid me to say this. He hasn't. I mean, he is my brother, but he hasn't. This is genuinely how I feel. Um, I'm an ultimate yeah. human being, and I would say if I didn't, and I do believe it. No, but you're, you're, you're living it, and it was. I remember you going through the mastermind, because, again, you were unsure, and I was like, well, look, this unsureness, we see it in a huge amount in one, you know, beer. We see people who've, who've removed alcohol, and it's just like, well, I'm not sure where to go, and I'm not sure what to change, and I'm not sure what impact I want to have. And so that's why we designed Mastermind, mm, yeah. um, um, which you're soon going to be running. Um, but anyway, um, we'll see. see, see. Yeah. Um, uh, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, and um, the, the um, yes, yeah, so, so going through this very impactful process of, mastermind yep. helps you then see well hang on a minute there's there's something in here and also you know chris was brilliant um at at doing mastermind mm. um and he he was calling me and going no no i really think Stu has something here um there's something with Stu. and you know when you're too close um you know i love you so i'm blindfolded by that in two ways yeah. i have these past expectations of who you are and i also have like a blinded belief of how incredible you are so yeah. so I, I always have to stay one back from that i'm like oh, i think Stuart's absolutely amazing you can do everything on the planet well hang on a minute i've got a team here and we've got everything else so so what i need is i need validation in a way yeah. and this was this was chris was just like i mean not this was not about you coming in to do anything at the time that's not what the thinking was the thinking was just um, let's see if we can help Stu um, find some focus. And Chris was calling me saying, no, Stu really has something powerful here. He's got a very strong intuition um, and um, really, really excited by you and by working with you. And he actually continued to coach you did. after Mastermind, didn't he? Yeah, he did. yeah. yeah, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, amazing guy. And yeah, I need, to, I need to ping Chris. Chris, if you're listening to this, which hopefully you are, I'll make sure you do listen to just deepest gratitude for yeah. all you've done for One Year No Beer, which you have done so much. And for us, me personally, and for me, yeah. you know, for you, Absolutely. it's a big impact in our lives. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. It was his birthday the other day, actually. I fired him a message, um, which is lovely. And uh, yeah, I'm really, sorry, really, I missed really it. Happy birthday, Chris. Really shocking, shocking. Um, <laughs> um, well, thanks for messaging me. But yeah, no, Chris, great guy. And Chris, Chris really helped me get my stuff together. He taught me some of the most important lessons that I still carry to today. I've made my own versions of them, but they very much root from what Chris showed me, actually, or taught me. Um, and it, it's simple things. Uh, when we were having the coaching sessions, he was just like, Stuart, you know, he, he picked up on who I was very quickly, um, you know, and, and through conversations. And he was he's obviously incredibly intuitive, very switched on all that really important stuff. Um, and he got me completely profiled me um, in, a, in a beautiful way. Um, and he said, you're like, Stuart, you need to focus on one thing for now. It's just one thing for now. And. And that has been then it's just it's so powerful because it's just one thing for now. So it's like it makes it much easier. Um, I then mm. after after a while, <clears throat> he taught me a lot of things, but that was one of the ones that really stuck with me. Um, and when it came to like, uh, I would get overwhelmed, you know, started, I would sit down and I could write a list of everything I need to do. And I can write this really big, long list. The following morning, I come see that list on my desk and go, um, you know, because or not necessarily, but I just wouldn't necessarily get to everything on the list. 
Um, and then yeah. when I look back at the list, I would say, well, I was in such a good mood yesterday and I really managed to write that list. And now I'm, well, oh, and it would start this sort of woe is me thought process. And why can't I do it? And oh, what's wrong with me? And then that goes into emotion, which then becomes action, which is go and make some popcorn and sit on the couch and watch TV. Um, you know, so it's just like that, you know, not self-fulfilling prophecy. It's self-stealing prophecy, whichever. Um, but <clears throat> um, I then develop that into what I have now, which I still use daily, which is I have a pro daily prioritization sheet and it has five things. I'm allowed to have five for the day. I usually aim for three, but I can have five for the day. And then if I think of anything else, I've got notes at the bottom and I can just write in. So it completely cleared out. And the point I'm telling you all of that is what I learned to this whole, when I first joined One Year No Beer 300 years ago, and I did my first challenge, uh, I was going into the community and I remember for some, I remember this so clearly, people were talking about exercise and all that stuff. And I put up a post really earnestly because in that space, you feel so comfortable to do so. So I just was really honest and vulnerable, put my heart on my sleeve and said, you know, I, I really, I, I despise exercising. I don't enjoy it. It's uncomfortable. It's not something I enjoy. I just, I don't feel good about it, you know, but, but I want to be strong and I, I want to be thinner and I want to all of these things. But for me, it's got to be Mr. Miyagi. I need to be doing something else that I'm not thinking about. Because if I'm thinking about exercise, it's too hard, you know. Um, and then that's another thing that Chris really taught me was how to do that. But when I put that post up, I'll never forget a girl responded saying, a lovely, beautiful post, but she was saying, like, even if you can go out and work, walk for 20 minutes a day, it's going to make all the difference. And, anyway, and for some reason, that really stuck with me. But the point was, what came from that was what, something that Chris taught me, what, which was, do it your way. I had all of these mm. prescribed ways that I should be living my life. And it's like, well, I'll do it my way. And then I started changing it up and actually finding ways that I could do things that would Mr. Miyagi exercise into my life. Um, and then the next part that really made the difference for me was Chris. And Chris, I, I, I'm deeply grateful to Chris. And this has become a huge part of my life as well, is habit stacking. Um, yeah. And I would then go out for, because I realized if I went out for a walk, the excitement of looking at the trees and the flowers lasted a while and that was good. But it kind of dwindled and it lost its spark. And then I realized I was far away and had to walk home. And it was like, Ugh. Um, whereas now I could listen to a book um, or I could, you know, or I could do something. And then that then led into me starting to record my thoughts, which then led into me talking to you about how I recorded my thoughts. And you said, Stu, you're journaling. And I was like, what? I am. I'm journaling because I was trying to get into journaling. And you were like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing it. But I'm doing it my way. That's nuts. And then that journaling then evolved into me doing my podcast, which is just like, yeah. You just never know what's going to come. So it's just doing it your way and trusting the process, you know, brought me to so many realizations that kind of freed all of this angst I'd had to just be myself. Thanks for joining our podcast. I really hope you're getting a lot from today's episode. So have you taken the OYMB challenge yet? Have you challenged yourself to be the best possible version you can possibly be? By changing just one thing, like your relationship with alcohol, you can change your whole world. Visit us at oneyearnobeer.com forward slash take the challenge and let's start the first steps in living your life better. So, yeah, we, 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 we kind of touched on that in the beginning, but let's go back to that. Like, when did you when did you suddenly decide to start changing your relationship with alcohol? And when I mean, obviously, I'm quite a persuasive individual. So um, everyone in my family has done a one year no beer challenge at some point almost. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us about your experience. Yeah, there. Important question. So um my brother started an organization called One Year No Beer. Um, and um, I, I think that what was really interesting is um, you'll notice that I tell a bit of a story and I come to my point, but there is a point to it. It works. That's how my brain works. Um, is basically, you know, when you go into a situation or you, go, you, you think you're going into a scenario or let's say you go into a situation and um, you're thinking that you're not drinking. Um, and I'm going to use that as an example. And 
you believe that other people are judging you in that moment, although they're not. And then from the other side of it, the one who is still drinking, um, you're with someone who doesn't drink. And then you're, you know, that's when you get the sort of from people like, that, oh, come on, never drink, all that stuff. What's likely happening with those people is they're actually feeling a level of guilt from the fact that you're there doing something healthy that they would probably like to do. However, aren't the cool thing is to carry on doing what they're doing. But there's that little guilty voice in the back of their head that's then making them react in that way, which comes from all sorts of different places. Understandably, that's fine. We're working, you know, and, and I would love to work with those people because let's make sense of that and get where you want to go. But for me, just by you having one year no beer and going into those communities, which you, you know, which we were in there, and as you know, obviously I was doing the challenges and um, and just seeing that place. Um, I was similarly listening to Gary's podcast this morning that you recorded with him. Um, he was talking about how it took quite a long time to actually adopt it and make it happen and similar. I mean, you were running your no, one year no beer for a number of years before I actually gave it a blast. But the entire time there was this voice in the back of my head that was always going like, you could, you know, you, you could give this a go, but you know, maybe there's something here, maybe there's something in this. And the more facts that I learned about actual consumption, because as we were chatting before, it was just like it was normal amount for where I lived and for what I did throughout my life. I never thought yeah. them. But then actually looking at the stats of what's what's a realistic amount of alcohol, I was massively more than that. <laughs> it was massively more. But I didn't I didn't I mean not to the stage where you know I had friends who were unfortunately you know, have alcoholism. So certainly compared to them, nowhere near, but, um, but it was a lot. And a lot of that was kind of twinging at me. And in that four years, we just talked about five years of the last four or five years where it's been tough. Um, you know, I, I numbed, you know, I could easily go through two bottles of wine in a night. Yeah. And it was just, and it was numbing. So by going on that journey, and it was actually through that time I did, uh, I did a challenge and it turned into a 14 months of, of alcohol freeze 28 days to 90 which became 14 months um and uh amazing well yeah, done it was incredible as we were chatting before this you know i had to reteach myself to drink it was disgusting um and now i reflect on that it's like why was i doing that but it was all about fitting in it was all about it was easier but was it, it wasn't really it was just i thought it was easier i don't know what the thought process was and then that then led into another couple of drink a uh, couple of years of trying to moderate and stuff like that but that never really worked it's just like and then it led into, you know, I was on through lockdown. God bless its cotton socks. You know, easily two bottles. I mean, I was in, in the day because I work at home. I could go and have a glass of wine in the afternoon. No one's here to watch me. Yeah, I mean, lockdown has a lot to answer for yeah. because so many people started to get a very difficult relationship. And I've been speaking to a lot of people recently who are like, oh, I was fine up until mm. um, the pandemic came. And now I've got this problem looming over me. So, yeah, that's pretty, pretty common. Yeah. But, you know, as, as again, I keep referencing Gary's podcast, but as he said in there is, um, you know, um, it's not failure and it's an opportunity to learn. And, that, you know, that's just like, you know, drop the mic. It's, that's like boom. And it really is. So I, I hear that a lot from people as well, clients I'm working with in One Year No Beer, who say it's got so much worse from, from COVID, yeah, from the COVID time lockdown and where I'm at and I've got a real problem. But similarly to when failure is actually an opportunity, for me, that's an exciting place to be because you've got lots to learn about yourself. You've got concentrated behavior that we can go into and have a look at of how you can actually use that, change that, and really take it forward. I think it's when you've got less information, it's much harder, but you've got lots to look at here. So let's let's get into that. Let's, let's what does that mean? How can we turn this around? And, you know, it's understandable. We had to face ourselves in the mirror, metaphorically and literally through, through COVID. Um, that's tough. You know, locked in a flat with your kids. I mean, people that made it through. Yeah. I mean, kudos, man. You get all my respect. Um, you know, I think it was tough. I mean, I had it easy. It was my wife, our five cats, and our wonderful dog. I mean, you know, happy days. 
and yet I still was slipping off the edge. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, how we get there. But to the stage now where, you know, um, alcohol-free and, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I just, I don't, there's no grunginess, you know. I mean, we know all of this when we're not drinking, but it's, it's, it's nuts. And it's, it's just, you know, it's that, that over the more time that passes, the more it grows and the more the impact is. And, you know, I'm super excited to work seven days a week. You know, although my work isn't really work anymore, I, just, I feel like I'm working. I can't believe I get paid to do this. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, <laughs> I can't believe you get paid either, Studio. Let's be honest. No, I'm just. So yeah, there was this sudden transition, or not a sudden transition, but then this transition once again from um, you know doing partly your calling, um, which is the conservation side of it, and um, all the incredible impact, African impact that you were having. Hey. Um, and. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, um, I've joined this thing called Toastmasters. Um, Toastmasters mm. is a brilliant way to um, mm. improve your speaking, and I'd highly recommend. I wish I'd gone seven years ago when I first went, and I went once and didn't again. And um, you, what they do is they bring up a word, a, a difficult word, and you've got to try and slot it into your speeches during the during the evening. Um, it's quite fun. It's quite fun um, trying to slot it in. So, um, let's see how many times I can get African impact into the remainder of this interview. So anyway, you decided coaching is actually a thing. Tell us about that journey of, of going into coaching and, and, um, leading to you joining one year no beer. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, um, well, as you, as you quite rightly said, um, for context on the organization that I have worked for, for the past um, eight years is called African impact. And if you have, kids or you yourself are wanting to do some traveling and but you want to do some responsible traveling and give back as per everything I was talking about check out africanimpact.com um, and uh, there's projects all over Africa all sorts of stuff so check that out so in that in that space I was um, I was leading teams um, as mentioned I had big teams and I the part that I found the pattern that was coming up for me that I really enjoyed was helping them understand themselves helping them problem solve um, and you know not giving answers I done a lot of work on myself around leadership um, which then as anyone out there will know is that that means a lot of work on yourself um, because if you're a true leader you know you're working on your own growth and development um, and uh, and you know leading by empowering um, and I really I just find myself naturally doing that and I had really done that through a lot of my life um, but certainly with all of the people because when we were at the lodge you're isolated in the middle of nowhere so it was a lot about encouraging people to be the best at the they could be to be living and were they doing that now how could they move towards that um and there was lots of different things that i brought in but it really uh, through lots of conversations with stacy and other people it highlighted for me that it's all about people for me and it's all about the impact that i can make with people um and uh whilst i was kind of going through stuff it was exploring what that meant and then as i was mentioning earlier you know it was you that said to me like Stuart, i think you should check out this coaching thing and that was around the time when uh, so looking at 2019 um, and then that's when I did mastermind to give me an idea of sort of accelerating that personal growth um, and that, that was a big thing you know you and I were chatting about me as a leader in business and then that people connection and wanting to grow myself and it was like okay well come join us on mastermind and let's see what we can develop there and grow that so that was massive and introduced me to a lot of new things I could apply in my own life and really use but then also apply um, with others, um, you know, and teach others as well. And I really enjoyed that teaching element, seeing others grow, that sort of aha moment, um, you know, and uh, I, I love it. I see it every single day now. You know, I do coaching sessions and run huddles and do all of these lifestyle sessions and all these things. And I see in people's eyes, 
you're talking about things that people know, but you know, as as one of the things we say within one you know beer, which I love, is um, you know, common knowledge is not necessarily common practice. And you may well know a lot of these concepts, but how many do you actually apply in your life? Um, and when you see that moment of how someone understands what it is that you're saying to such a degree that they they are now you know sort of um in the understanding and motivated to apply it to their life and find out how they can and that that sort of ding moment that happens like you suddenly turn a corner and that just is like that to me that's my that's what gets me springing out of bed in the morning is knowing that just by having conversations with people constructive conversations and then through my training how I do that how I can help people get to where they want to go you can completely change someone's life from one conversation from multiple yeah. conversations especially if you're one-to-one -one coaching so that was kind of the first echoes of that um and then in uh, from there i had some extra coaching with chris laping as we were chatting about which was incredible amazing guy um and that also taught me a lot i started doing a lot more um of the habit stacking listening to books whilst i was hiking and then i was really opening my mind and the first thing that i started working on was my belief in myself um and my imposter syndrome that because i always believed these sort of empathetic connection abilities that I'd have all of my life I looked at them as soft skills and I don't mean in the general sense of soft skills I looked at them as weak skills not important the more important thing was that you could either uh you had an incredible learning ability and you could be a lawyer or you could be an accountant or you could be a doctor or you know you could lift heavy things um you could do something practical and then it seemed as though there was a lot less importance given to skills such as empathy, rapport building, connection, all that stuff that today we recognize is really important. And where we are with Generation Z and Generation Y and X is that where we're at with that development is we're much more open to that. But that wasn't the case. So in my upbringing, whilst our parents were very coachy and all that kind of jazz, in the world, that wasn't necessarily the case. And again, our experience of going into the village, we weren't exactly met with open arms. So it was that how that, that came into the world. So I'd always kind of put that to the side thinking that this wasn't useful. I needed to be someone else. I used to put my leader hat on as again, I was chatting before about joining to start with. I was like sort of being the boss man and I was stopping being myself. But I, that, that's where I think there was this big butting of heads within myself of uh, being unhappy for those five, six years because I wasn't listening and or living in congruence with my natural skills, my values, my needs, my talents, what I could bring to the world. Um, and then it was that kind of journey that I started in 2019 that led to me actually starting to look at um, establishing my coaching practice. And as I, as I kind of looked in that world, um, I was just playing with the idea of it um, because that we were coming close to lockdown. And when lockdown happened for African Impact, my current the, the business I was working with, they shut down. They had to because they rely on yeah. tourism. Yeah. Tourism yeah. wasn't happening. So everything shut down. So in that time, I had time. I was still working for them and we were still doing a lot of, a lot of admins and support stuff. We were part of the leadership team. So we kept that going. But there was time so i explored it so then chatting with you we talked about how that could work and then the, and the mastermind and i started i actually brought some clients in locally face to face here in hoodspray where i live and it was three young people um amazing dynamic people who wanted to start a restaurant um and i was just sort of coaching them now at the time i didn't have much training so i you know i was just kind of like making it up as i went along because coaching isn't regulated so you don't necessarily have to train to be a coach which yeah. is scary i see it's now scary. that i've studied because you know you're dealing with people's lives like to the level of what i understand it now is that's really petrifying um and just a piece of advice from from me to you if you're listening to this is if you're going out into the world for any coaching 
Um, it's easy to much like you go to the doctor. You don't ask the doctor for their credentials. You just trust their credentials. I would just maybe check with your coach that they have got some level of training because this is your life. It's super important. And I'm not going against people who've not had it. I think that's all powerful. And there's lots of great stuff that can be derived there. But I would just explore that because this for me personally, from the training that I had, it was totally different to what I thought it was. I thought yeah. I was coaching. I wasn't. I was much more mentoring yeah. and kind of supporting and stuff and that's not co what coaching is coaching is much more about you finding the answers and really exploring that and with that supportive element as well um so it's a lovely combination there um and uh, that then led okay so i was doing that for a while and then i had this so leading from that part is i had this ethical dilemma which i was kind of chatting to these people um but i didn't really know what i was doing and that's when again you got in touch with me um lots of kudos to you mr fairbens um and i'm not looking at myself in the mirror i mean you Rui. um <laughs> is that uh, <laughs> well me too i mean yeah um but is uh you know is you're saying um to explore different providers because it was like kind of like one year no beer was really going into this area where recognizing that the world needs this that our members need this that the world will benefit so much more from us not just looking at I mean, one year no beer has never just looked at alcohol. It's always been so much more than that. It's all about the people. And that's why it's such a powerful entity um, and attracts so many people. Um, but it was like looking at how can we make sure that that's the highest level possible. So you and I were chatting about that, which was beneficial for me because I had this interest in this world and beneficial for us to explore it. And that's where ultimately we looked at lots of providers. And then that's when from meeting with one of the providers. Um, so I studied with the coaching academy in the UK. Um, I absolutely loved it, signed up, um, received the folder, which is absolutely massive and sitting there. This enormous document with lots of modules and great stuff that you go through. Um, and it's all self-study. And it was uh, they give you, I think, 18 months that you can uh, complete it. Uh, well, they say it's average, sorry, 12 to 18 months, but you have two years so up to 24. And then you can always extend after that. But you have to do refreshes. So it's lovely this time. So you can fit it in around your life um, if you want to do it, which I recommend. I, honestly, after doing this training, every single human being should do this training. It teaches us just the yes. basic things about how to communicate, yeah. how yeah. to understand other people. I mean, it's just, it's stuff that, well, should, dangerous word, but could well be more integrated into our education system or our lives in work scenarios, families, friends, schooling, whichever. But mm. so that blew my mind. Um, and one great example of that was the very first module, they talk about um, open questions. Now, I wasn't 100% familiar with that terminology. You might go, oh, gosh, Stuart, where have you been hiding under a rock? But I wasn't. And um, I learned about open questions. And the modules are set up so beautifully that as you mm. go through them, you get coached. You're getting coached effectively by a book. But lots of online resources as well, videos and tutorials and brilliant stuff on there. Um, and I went through the open question thing. And it was just changing your questions from a yes, no answer to are using like what how, when, um, as the, the sort of precursor for your sentence. And that leaves it open at the end. So, you know, what are you up to? You can't answer that with yes or no. You need to think about it and you need to answer the question. So, you know, how was your day? It's not yes or no. It's, well, this happened now. Well, tell me more. Um, so, you know, you sort of open up the conversation. I've used that with my wife. And my wife is my, my world, um, as a lot of you know, Stacey. And she's quite a quiet person. I'm not, you may well have noticed. Um, and uh, I love to talk and motivate and all that jazz, put me on stage, happy place. Um, Stacey would much rather be um, behind the scenes and supporting, which is how she often supports me and she's amazing. Um, but I used the open questions with her and now suddenly we have conversations. I mean, we were before, but it's totally different. And I can't tell you how exciting that is for me. I mean, if I think about it from a pre-suggestion going into it, I would have thought, oh, maybe, maybe. 
I don't know if this is going to work and I would have judged it, but just by trying it, it's so exciting. We have mm. like these great conversations and great stuff happens. And that's mind boggling. The fact that we can just use language to do that. That's just the start. So yeah, then taking that, that further. In, in, in that, it, there mm. is an example of how, you know, when you pick up a technique like that, it can be so transformational. It can shift something enormously. And the thing is, mm. when you look at some of these things, right, and the reason why I've always been coached, okay, always been coached is extreme, right? Counseling from six years old, um, counseling in my 20s, 30s, and then really picked up coaching there. And it's pretty much been coaching. I've pretty much always been coached. Um, and, you know, right now I have three coaches. I have a personal coach, I have a cycling coach, and I have a business coach. Greedy, I know. But the reason why I do that is because I know that there are these little hacks out there that will shortcut mm. me trying to figure it out, like trying mm. to work out how to unlock conversation with my partner such mm. that we can communicate much more freely. Mm. And so Absolutely. my go-to now every single time is, how can I find somebody who's going to help me shortcut this? It's all of mm. There's a brilliant book, actually, um, Who Not How, uh, written by my good friend, mm. Benjamin. Um, Benjamin, 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 oh, for goodness sake, he's the number one writer on um, uh, Hardy. Benjamin Hardy, thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you. Uh, Benjamin yeah. Hardy, um, Who Not How, and he talks about, uh, you know, along with Dan Sullivan, 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 oh, yeah. um, he talks about, um, it, it's about finding the who. That will unlock you in the next stage. It's not the how. Find the who who will unlock mm. you into the next stage. And that's right. just like finding a coach. So this is what's special about coaching is that it shortcuts these things. And I guess what the key thing here is you're saying is how critical it is for a coach to have gone through and learned these techniques and these tools so mm. that they can shortcut somebody's journey rather than just um, mm. second guessing it. Sorry, carry on. No, no, no. Important and absolutely right. And um, I'm, I'm going to get that book. I haven't read that one. Thank you. Um, but that's and, and, that, and that's what it is. And it is about accelerating your journey and, and getting that. So it's like seek the help that you need to get you there. You know, again, you look at like James Clear's um, book, Atomic Habits, where he talks about the emotional cycle of change. And only 3% of people make it out of the valley of despair. Bum, bum, bum. And it's the, what makes you gets you out is by setting that inspirational future that you want, but getting the support and help you need. Um, so that's, yeah. you know, that's how we succeed. So that's, again, where coaching is so powerful. So 100% totally agree. Couldn't put it better. Amazing. So um, you did this with, uh, you went through all the coaching with Coaching Academy. And yeah. um, um, they are, I think, they're the, definitely the leader in the UK or one of the, the, mm. the great leaders out there in um, coaching certification. And what Absolutely. I would say is, um, if anything sparks you from this podcast with the idea of, oh, I'd probably like to be a coach, then why don't you ping us an email, info on yournobeer.com, because we are going to look at putting a cohort Great. through soon. Um, and, um, you know, Stuart was the first guinea pig. It's interesting because I wasn't very helpful to you. I was helpful, but I wasn't like, hey, here's everything and we'll just get it all sorted and everything else like that because, um, A, you're my brother. <laughs> and, and B, you know, there's, there's always that thing, isn't it? It's like you've got to really want it and I don't want to force yeah. you. And um, it needs, it absolutely all needs to come from you. And absolutely hats off to you, all credit. You just went away. You got frustrated because you're like, really, look, I've been waiting two months for you to get this sorted. You said you were going to do it all sorted. I'm just going to do it myself. And you were like, fine, I'm going to go and do it myself. Did it yourself. Got all the training done. And surely enough, you know, you were like, right, nine months later, 10 months later, 11 months later, you were like, okay, I'm about to get certified. I'm ready to go. I've done it all. I'm currently coaching. I'm, I'm ready to get in. And um and here we are. So now you have joined One Year No Beer. I have. 
I have, I have for my sins. I have, and um, and I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, to be well, you know, and I think what's really important here is, um, I'm not sure how to convince all of you wonderful listeners of this. I'm not saying this because I'm talking to the CEO of One Year No Beer. I would be saying the same thing and have said the same thing to many people. The what works for me in one year no beer. So actually, if anything, I'm sure you can get this if you think about your siblings. The idea of me working with my family is like, no, thank you very much. Thanks Agreed. for the offer. <laughs> Been there before, um, Stu. <laughs> Been yeah, there before. Exactly. Been there, you know, like, done that. Got yeah, the war so, wounds. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's you know, so it's like so. There's obviously apprehension there, but the reality is. Um, one year no beer's approach to coaching and um, you know I've been chatting to a lot of people recently about this you know we do discovery calls with potential clients Um, and if you're thinking about doing some coaching getting some coaching set up a DC set up a discovery call with one of us coaches um, and just explore how we approach it because one year no beer's approach to coaching takes it to such a different level than what is effectively traditional coaching or pure coaching is what they call it. Um, and to give a very quick sort of synopsis there is pure coaching is you're kind of looking at you've got a goal for the future or you don't. And you come in and you would establish a goal with the coach. And let's say it's to write a book. You would then set that goal for a time, a period of time. So I'm going to give myself 12 months. Um, and then what you do is you meet with your coach once every fortnight or a week or whatever frequency you agree. And each time you meet, you're working towards new milestones to take you towards achieving that goal, looking at the realities of your life and how you're going to make it work and what needs to happen and all that jazz. And it really boosts you to get into that goal, which is super duper powerful. Now, you look at one, you know, beer's approach is that a part of it. And that's an important part that we have a future goal. It's what somewhere you want to get to. But there's also this wonderful modular approach, which gives such good structure to really, really accelerate your learning, to really get your relationship with not just with alcohol, but your relationship with yourself to the next level. And that's really powerful because, you know, if we look at just looking at writing the book and we look at practicalities of how you to get you there to write the book, we're not addressing why you've not been able to write the book up till now. We're not addressing what values you're not meeting, what needs you're not meeting, what stories you're telling yourself. How are you holding yourself back? Because what we want to look at for in One Year No Beer is sustainable change that's going to be impactful for the, for the whole of your life, for the rest of your life, not just to get you through this time when you're trying to get your blips sorted with alcohol. And yeah. that is what this, that's why I became a coach. I want to empower people to change the whole of their lives for the rest of their lives, not for this weekend. Yeah, and that's exactly. what one, you know, beer embodies. So that's super exciting. So be part of this team is an honor. You know, every single huddle I do every day, every lifestyle with these people who had got their hands up saying, I'm here to do this. is just like, Hey man, let's do this. Yeah. It's brilliant. It is lovely. Yeah. It's lovely to have people who are all in and it's a, it is a great environment. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's great to affect change. And in a way, it's great for it to feel like it's easy um, to be able yeah. to make that change in somebody else's life. Like, um, and, and just to put, you know, to be able to see those common blocks, start to work on that foundation stuff. But I guess this is the key part is so often it's the real basics that are missing yeah. isn't it and yeah. and yeah. so it's like well hang on a minute you're actually trying to do these expert level things here and you're trying to do one or two or three of them when really we just need to get this foundation sorted right here first and you'll be e- you'll easily be able to do those expert That's things brilliant. but when you're trying to do the expert things up here and it's all a cesspit down at the bottom here and you yeah. haven't got any settlement you're, you're, yeah. you're not going to achieve it and you're stuck in that reach i can't get anything done i'm stuck etc so um yeah. Well, I mean, 
Obviously, I'm really, really, really excited to have you um, on board as a coach. And I, I think the, the testament and excitement for you on coaches, you've only been in for a month and there are already lots of messages and um, there are people saying lovely things about you in AFM. Um, and I, I haven't heard a single complaint yet, um, but maybe I should put one in. Um, thanks. Myself. Thanks. <laughs> I'm being really humble. <laughs> no, no, it's exactly. <laughs> Uh, picked his nose and ate it during a call. Um, so, um, uh, but anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm 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 excited to have you on, and I think mm. you know, the the all of the story, everything that we've talked about in this podcast was just so key to showing that journey of how you've come across here. And I, you know, the idea of okay, so you didn't have the coaching tools and the techniques, and I think those are really critical. And that's why, mm. you know, the minimum requirement for somebody becoming an OAMB coach is that they have a, a diploma, um, um, life coaching dip diploma or similar, um, and that they have a minimum number of hours under their belt and all of these things. So the bar is very high for coaching at One Year No Beer, um, whereas at other um, places who do similar sort of thing, the bar is not yeah. so high. Um, and, and I think that's because, yes, the tools are incredibly important, like the way our modules work and the way we coach, you know, that's been iterated on over the last eight years, refined and refined and refined and refined. And we have a very specific process, which we know works. So our coaches yeah. need to come and learn, learn that. But you've been coaching for years, you know, the, 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 the jobs, the, the type of person you are managing people, you know, running the, running the business you ran before and all the staff that you ran, you know, there is so much coaching in there. There's so much listening, hearing, dealing with people's issues, being compassionate, empathy, all of that stuff, which you have in absolute bucket loads. And so when you add that on top of, um, to the, um, to the actual tools and skills that you've learned over the last year, 18 months, I think that's really, really powerful. Anyway, this is enough of making Stu sound out like he's the most incredible coach in the world. We've got amazing coaches. Let's be honest. And I think it's <laughs> wonderful to hear your story, Stuart. Um, and I think the, the, the big thing here is that what we're saying to everyone is, you know, this journey about changing a relationship with alcohol, it's really an opportunity for you to put the magnifying glass on your life and make some significant changes. And when you take a break from alcohol, you're actually given all the tools you need to make major changes. You're given energy, you're given clarity, you're given authenticity, right? You can suddenly feel and hear what's going on inside. That's everything you need to make major changes in your life that will last you a lifetime. And there's never a better time than to grab a coach and say, right, help me deal with this stuff that's coming up mm. for me. I've got loads of questions. I've got issues and areas in my life. I've got stuff I need to sort out. Guide me through this. And... Um, that's exactly what our coaches will do. Anything Absolutely. you'd like to add before we finish up, Stu? Uh, well, just the last thing I just wanted to add there was just kind of on the point you were saying was just um, I've been with One Year No Beer for three months now as a coach. Um, and my education that's come as a result of the coaches that are there um, and just a big shout out to the ones that I've been really chatting with, which is Gary, Matt and Liz, um, as well as Stuart McKerricher, who's not a coach. However, he has been pivotal in my, um, my time within One Year No Beer to, to all of you guys. I'm deeply, deeply grateful. Excellent coaches, like world, world-class coaches. Seriously, guys, um, yeah. this is a, I, I'm standing amongst giants, and it's really exciting. So come and join us. It's a, it's a great team, a really, really awesome team. Um, well, you can find Stuart in AFM, and um, AFM is absolutely worth um, contributing to your journey. Yeah. Or if you're thinking about one-to-one -one coaching, um, then head to oneyearnobeer.com, either shoot us an email, um, have a look at our one-to-one -one coaching page, 
and um, which should be on the website, but it isn't um, because it's usually only for members. Yeah, and um, get 20 minutes with Stuart, and I'm sure he will absolutely blow you away. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, Stuart. We'll, um, we'll have you on again soon. Fantastic. Thanks so much. It's been an absolute honor to be here, and um, keep going, guys. You've got this. Keep smashing it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the One Year No Beer podcast, where our mission is to share and tell the stories of the everyday heroes who are taking the steps to make a meaningful impact by changing their relationship with alcohol. If you want to join our community and find out more about the variety of benefits that you can enjoy by becoming part of our 80,000 plus members within our alcohol-free movement, then click the link in the show notes below.